I the Plank Show on a Thursday on location today at Cavens Construction, 405-573-3048. Every Thursday we start the 11 o'clock hour before we hit the Newcastle Casino top five stories of the day with big brother Joey Helmer. At Joey Helmer 247 on Twitter, at OU Insider. Joey, you were there. We, we had just talked about it, and I know that in, in Brandon and in Parker, the 24-7 crew has – recruiting covered but i dug the i dug the answer to the recruiting question that brent venables had tuesday during his press conference and you know to me i think it's it says hey we're gonna maybe take a deeper look at some oklahoma guys definitely some guys that might have been under recruited and and kind of continue to develop he used isaiah simmons mark clayton his names you're not always going to find those guys but i just thought that was i thought that was a really kind of cool inside look at ou's recruiting plan going forward well, and it's totally accurate, right? I mean, how many guys go under the radar uh, that that you have to, to scoop up? And there, there's so many players that you can find um, that aren't, quote-unquote, the, the high-end four- or five-star player. And, um, I mean, that's, that's a part of the recruiting process, and it's so important. Uh, you know, you talk about getting uh, those – diamond in the rough type players and finding those guys and then it's development from there so yeah it's it, it was fascinating to to hear that and obviously it's really important i mean those those guys are just um as important to get into your program as uh, some of the high-end guys because um you know it's about uh, getting your roster to where um, you, you have as many good players as possible and then development uh, mixing and matching some of those uh, three stars, if you will, is incredibly vital to your program. What's your? T- I mean, we've spent a lot of time this week talking about it. Obviously, um, reading what you wrote about it, listening to the to the podcast recap, and I mean, heck, our station is devoted to OU football pretty much twenty four seven. What's been your big takeaways from Saturday in Ames, which to me was as physical of a of a game as Oklahoma's played this year? Well, it was a really good win. I think, you know, you look and no one has beaten Iowa State by double digits this season. I mean, they've lost so many close games, and Oklahoma goes to Ames and wins 27-13. to 13. So uh, just from a score standpoint, I mean, it was really impressive. I thought, you know, Oklahoma's defense took another step. Uh, they created three turnovers, the second game in a row where they've had multiple interceptions. So uh, that was really good. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, they were good at the line of scrimmage. I mean, I thought Oklahoma's defensive line was really, really solid. Uh, they limit uh, limited Iowa State to 66 yards on the ground last week. That was good. And um, you, you look at the other side of the ball, it's just it's so important to me that Dylan Gabriel continues to not make mistakes. And I say mistakes, I mean turning the football over. He's thrown one interception this season, which is really pretty incredible. He's thrown 201 passes, and only one of those has gone to the other team. So really good there. I think you look at his numbers, and they weren't gaudy by any means, but um, he, he was effective. Oklahoma was effective enough uh, offensively. So I thought it was a really, really solid win last weekend for Oklahoma. What is – okay, 
Joe, Joey, Josh and I talked about this on on Tuesday. I kind of kicked myself. Actually, excuse me, Monday, and I kind of kicked myself that I didn't ask a little bit deeper post game and even through the coaches stuff on Monday. But and Brent talked about it on Tuesday. Uh, Levy talked about it a bit on Monday. What did you make of the line shift? And you know, it's to me. I I, I heard someone say it's just like they did. No, no, no. In Oklahoma's. I've never seen them do anything like that. They've never taken four of the five offensive linemen and every skill player pretty much off the field outside of the quarterback and the center. I've never seen that happen. Did you think it was – to me, I think it was a reward. It was obviously something that was planned, and there was a series when it was going to take place. Or did you see it as maybe a, hey, we're not getting this done. Let's see what a fresh look might look like because if that were the case – why did they immediately go back to the guys about five plays into the drive that had been their starters? What did you make of that wild line shift late in the first quarter? Oh, it seems like it was totally coordinated the way yes. I saw it. I thought that um, it was something that was planned. Uh, it was, and yeah, I'm like you. I've never seen that before. <laughs> A mass sub and. You know, typically when you're talking about math subs, you're, you're like thinking maybe three or four guys, but it was the whole unit there. So that was crazy. But, yeah, I'm I'm like with you. I think it was coordinated. I think that was something that they uh, went into the game maybe in, I, I don't know, saw, if you will, game plan-wise. But, yeah, that was really, really interesting. I, I've never seen anything like it. The fake obviously was beautifully executed by Oklahoma. What uh, what have you made of Oklahoma's special teams, and then just individually the the fake that wound up being a pivotal play? Well, Oklahoma's special teams, in large part, won in that football game last weekend. I mean, you look and obviously the, the touchdown on the fake, like you mentioned, but Michael Turk was also fantastic in the punt game. I mean, he. He pinned Iowa State a couple of times deep in their territory. and That is just so huge. I mean, we've talked about Turk being a weapon for Oklahoma, and he's a huge weapon. I mean, to start a team on the inside their own five-yard line is just absolutely huge. I mean, what that does for your defense, obviously it limits uh, them offensively, uh, what they're able to play call there. So, yeah, I, I thought special teams-wise w- was fantastic last weekend and a, a large part of the reason they won that football game, absolutely. Bringing out with Joey Helmer, OUinsider.com. All right, I feel like in, in Baylor, what we've learned about this matchup on Saturday, Joey, team that's really good on the interior, has a solid defensive line, uh, good interior guys in that defensive line, but you can take advantage of them a bit on the edges and also get a little pressure on Blake Shapin and he'll give you the football. Yet they go into Tech and they just absolutely dominate on Saturday against the Red Raiders. What's kind of been your impressions of, of Baylor and what do you expect here on Saturday night? Saturday afternoon, I well, should say. Yeah, Baylor's kind of the uh, – <laughs> prototypical Big 12 team this year. It's like you go to Morgantown and lose, and then uh, they go and dominate in Lubbock, like you said, last weekend. So um, it's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde situation, I guess. I mean, it seems like everyone in the Big 12 has been that this year. It's like 
you just don't know what to expect. But uh, for me, it starts with stopping the run game. I mean, Richard Reese has run for almost 800 yards, 12 touchdowns this season. He's a really effective runner as a freshman in this league. And so, um, to me, it starts there. You've got to bottle up the run game. Uh, Blake Chapin is way more capable than Hunter Deckers is in the throw game. And so, obviously, Oklahoma was really good bottling up the run last week. But it's it's different. Even if you get uh, Baylor in some third and long situations, uh, you know, Chapin is capable of beating beating you with the throw. So, um, it, to me, it does start and get getting uh, Baylor in long yarded situations. But Oklahoma's going to be have to be solid. Uh, they're going to have to be sound through their fundamentals. And uh, again, I thought they took a step in that direction. Um, I thought they were better tackling last uh, weekend than they've been some of the pre- previous weeks. So, um, yeah, just being solid, Oklahoma. Uh, defensively we'll have a really good chance here this weekend anything else josh helmer in the world of football before i move to uh the magical sport of basketball and softball (laughs) well we we do need to cover those bases as well just joey uh the importance of this game obviously uh for oklahoma and baylor it's two teams that came into this season we thought this was going to be a big 12 championship game preview it's not really turned into that but uh i kind of said that this was the litmus test game for OU last week uh, ahead of the Iowa State game. I know we can do this kind of every week right now, but what is the importance of this game for OU getting into the win column the rest of the way here? Well, I totally agree with everything you said. You you know, I wrote this morning that this is the game where you kind of look – you know, we've had a mindset like the rearview mirror in terms of you know, Oklahoma had the three-game losing streak, and I think everyone was so negative at the time. I think this is finally the game. You've won a couple. you put a couple in the bank. And if you're to win this weekend, I think the three-game losing streak is a bit of ancient history at that point, if you're able to win this weekend. I think you're able to, to finally look forward and say, hey, you know, we've got three games left on the schedule, a couple of road trips to Morgantown and Lubbock and then obviously Bedlam, and it completely changes the trajectory of the season if Oklahoma wins this weekend. Obviously, uh, that's no small thing. I think a lot of people a couple, three weeks ago thought, you know, is Oklahoma even going to be playing in a bowl this year? And uh, you cross that off, you – you check that box, and so, yeah, this is a litmus test game, another stepping stone game for Oklahoma, and obviously one that's incredibly important in the second-to-last home game of the season. We're hanging out with Joey Helmer, OUinsider.com. Okay, let's do a little two-step of, of non-football pieces to talk about from this past week. Number one, uh, Monday night. We start the college hoop season. It is here. It is wild. OU Sam Houston State. Uh, you've seen some of the exhibition. What, what, what do you think? What do you make of what Porter Moser has in year two? Well, first off, I thought it was interesting. You know, it's um, Matt Brady um, stepping away before coaching in yeah. an official game. I thought that was interesting the other night. Obviously, uh, he resigned citing personal reasons, so – 
that that's the first thing that kind of stands out with the basketball program right now. But I, I thought, you know, in their exhibition game, I, I think it's a team that's more athletic. I, I just got that feel. It's hard to tell a lot of times uh, when you're watching an exhibition game, but uh, those freshmen uh, on the roster, are, I mean, they're they're ready made. They're think is going to make the tournament this year I, I really do and, and I think they're a more athletic club I, I'm excited about uh, what what's going to be on the court for those guys for Mosier this year and then real quick what do you make of the uh, softball schedule coach Gasso continues to challenge themselves and some really cool games coming to Norman and OKC it's absolutely loaded and <laughs> What other way would you want it than to play the best of the best? Obviously, you uh, already know you're going to play Oklahoma State and Texas, so that's two of the uh, women's college World Series teams. But on the slate, I mean, half of the women's college World Series field. So that's incredible. I think, uh, you know, there's like 20 20 teams, I think it was, uh, NCAA tournament teams. So it's an absolutely loaded schedule and exactly what you want if you're an Oklahoma softball fan. I mean, every single week uh, there's a game to get excited about with, with competition. You know, that's that's what we want for this program is like we're seeing how good they are, right? Like who can beat this team? So uh, Patty Gasso's went out to me said, hey, <laughs> You want to take a chance at us? It, here it is. So it, it's a very exciting slate, no doubt about it. You're the man. You are the man. Joey, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, guys, for having me on. I always think it's weird to say have a great rest of your week. It's Thursday. I should say enjoy your weekend, right? Because high school football starts tonight to this day. Um, Tonight. High school, I got to get that cut. Is that a boxer that's like all, if for some reason, uh, it's been stuck in my head for like the last two days. To this day. But tonight, final regular season games in high school football. Are you ready, Josh Helmer? I'm ready, baby. I am ready to rumble. So let's talk about it next. Top five stories of the day right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show. Right here on the ref with Josh on plank. Yeah, I I do appreciate those who pay attention. Like this one uh, for the five eight zero. Apparently, apparently y'all did. You meant to say didn't because you were being an a hole. Uh, but apparently, you didn't watch the show with Toby and Teddy where BV talked about the subs coming in and out. You're right. I didn't watch it. I listened to it. The Sooner Sports Podcast, SoonerSports.com slash podcast. And apparently they uh, didn't listen earlier this week when that was specifically right. mentioned on this program. Yeah. But, I, hey, you know, I, uh, you, it's okay. Thanks for you, correcting y'all, us. Right, I appreciate you correcting what was not an inc- I just My point was I still hear people saying this when they're wrong, but y'all seem to really put a lot of faith in them. So here's what I think happened. Here's what the coaches basically said happened. Never seen it before. What would you think of it? Y'all don't have to be experts on everything. We're not trying to be either. Just enjoy the show. Enjoy the ride. Um, God welcome forbid, back to the Plank uh, Show. <laughs> one final thing on this, by the way. Go ahead. God I for- would play. Here's it here's real quick. I would play it, Josh. I would play it. And I would have played it probably 50 times this week. 
but I'm not allowed to. So go ahead. Indeed, yeah. Well, and that's an element here too. God forbid, though, uh, you know, you don't listen to one thing that happened throughout the week when you and I have a million different jobs going on. So thank you for uh, your input. No, listen, the there's no need to get mad. There's no need to get mad about it. I'm just, when it's like, well, you, you didn't do this. I'm like, yeah, we, I think I just kind of laid it out. Reward. Something kind of cool they did. Um, I would also add to it that uh, I have to accept, because it's been a hard thing for me, that apparently people don't sit down tune in at nine o'clock and intently listen to all three hours of the show i've i've had to accept throughout my entire career uh it doesn't happen with really anyone on radio unless i'm doing a crime podcast now if i could if we could turn this show and welcome to the plank show we're we are uh, going back to 2000 we're going to dissect the missing plumber from Tulsa from 2000. Josh should talk to a few people. Then maybe they intently listen. Sports radio? Nah. Meh. Got to keep it on in the background. And then get mad when I hear something that disagrees with me. You ready for the top five stories of the day? You ready to provide some information? I'm uh, ready to attempt to provide some information. Uh-oh. What's wrong? What's wrong? Some break? We good? No, we're good. We're good. Okay. <laughs> time for the top five stories of the day, presented by Newcastle Casino. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. All right, let's go. Newcastle Casino, top five stories of the day. We do this every single day at 11 a.m. We allow some grace on Thursdays because while we're here at Cavens Construction, uh, we talk to Joey Helmer at 11 a.m. every single Thursday. So, with that in mind, hit, hit, here we go. Newcastle Casino, online at newcastlecasino.com. Big story number five. Number five. All right, all high school football has been shifted to tonight across the state of Oklahoma due to weather concerns tomorrow. Josh, we got a big one where you're going to be tonight and the potential of a two-seed in 6A1. We do. Norman North playing host to... Enid tonight. We'll probably, I'm, I'm imagining radio side, stream side, krefsports.tv, where you can check out my broadcast of Norman North versus Enid, but uh, obviously uh, a number of broadcasts this week on the high school side. Uh, we'll go live 6 o'clock, pregame for that. Win, and they got a first round bye in the playoffs. Plank, uh, win this one, and uh, obviously you're the two seed in that district. So we've got uh, a busy, busy set of games. Uh, Across our broadcast, we've got, obviously, Enid, Norman North, Norman High, Owasso, Mustang at Edmond Memorial, Union at Edmond North, Putnam City North at Deer Creek, more travels to Broken Arrow, Southmore and Westmore, and Edmond Santa Fe at UConn. So there is a lot of football on krefsports.tv. Also, looks like Collinsville has been moved to tonight against Claremore. Or as, or as we used to say about one of my fraternity brothers, Doug Willman, was from Squaremore. See what we did there, Josh? See? No, Claremore, I'm, looking, I'm just looking here at News 9. Stillwater, Kellyville, Liberty, Quentin McAllister. Washington, the Warriors tonight. Big home game. Homecoming, Josh Helmer, for the Washington Warriors as they look to continue. Their undefeated season. I am very excited to say I will be in attendance tonight. And, in fact, 
I've got my Warriors shirt on already. Let's go. And this is going to create quite a bit of confusion for me whenever I'm at a high school football game on a Thursday night, whenever I'm used to being there on a Friday night. Oh, is Grove good this year, Robbie? Let's go. I I am not uh, – oh, it's not good. <laughs> They're taking on – ooh, Bishop Kelly. Ooh, let's go. So, big night of high school football. And, again, Josh, what time did you say you guys will be on the air? Six we'll, o'clock tonight. We'll go live. Six sharp, baby. We got, uh, obviously, senior night. So, we've uh, had a sit-down with Coach on my broadcast, right? And, uh, you know, you. there's going to be a ton of prog- uh, broadcasts <laughs> across KRefSports.tv. Listen. Where it's hey, senior stop, night everywhere. Stop. I want you to be greedy about your broadcast. What do you expect tonight? Well, I, I expect it to be uh, a competitive football game. Uh, Rao in go. the backfield for Enid's a really good player. And, you know, Rashawn Woods is the coach out there at Enid where, uh, you know, he had done a nice job. Oklahoma State great, of course, but had done a nice job previously at John Marshall. Now he's sort of in the, I want to say, fifth year of a rebuild project over at Enid and has done a pretty good job. But I was just going to say we have uh, a nice little sit-down with Coach Justin Jones tonight where he's going to honor the Norman North senior. So that's a, a cool thing that we get to do every year. Nice. To this day. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> to this day. To this day. <laughs> Yo, none. To this day. All right. Um, so, again, <laughs> if you are a high school football fan, there's a very good likelihood that your game is taking place across the state of Oklahoma tonight. All right. Big story number four. Number four. Can we get that where I can just have that on a button where I can play it nonstop on the program if I want to? Sure. Just any, any second I can just push the button to be like, to this day. I want to uh, I want to have Brent Venables as a drop like that where we can say, ah, La La Land. La La Land is my personal favorite from this week. This is a close second. To this day. All right, big story number four. NFL tonight. I can sense the level of excitement growing around the ref army. In the Houston Texans and the Philadelphia Eagles tonight. Let's go. And anybody. One story that did develop, uh, two stories that, that developed quickly yesterday from the National Football League. One, Deshaun Watson is preparing for his return to the Cleveland Browns. Here's what their GM, Andrew Barry, had to say. It's been great to have him back in the building. You know, he's been, you know, he's been focused on, you know, working on himself. He's stayed in great shape. He's, he's been a part of the meetings. And he's, he's done everything um, and more that's been asked of him. And then number two, which, by the way, I can't wait for the outrage when Deshaun Watson returns to the Browns or has a bad outing and it quickly becomes how they should go back to Jacoby Brissett. Boy, uh, TJ Hawkinson was... Not happy after being traded. Well, actually, let me rephrase that. He wasn't happy with Detroit and kind of let it be known on his way out that he wasn't happy with the way that he was treated. No, I had, I mean, I, I kind of knew. Uh, I had a little idea. So, I mean, I, I didn't expect here. But, um, obviously, uh, super, super excited to be here, honestly. So, right when I got here last night, it was like, this is this is pretty sweet. So, like I said, just just excited to be here. Well, that's not the cut that I expected it to be. But Hawkinson basically destroyed Dan Campbell on the way out, and now as a 
is a member of the Minnesota Vikings has a chance to not only make the playoffs, but um, has a chance to really excel. Hawkinson said uh, he's seen people joking about him going from a one and six to a six and one team. Yeah, it's cool. I'm excited to be part of a program we can do something with, and we're looking to be on 17, looking down the road for sure. I'm excited. We've got to take it week by week, but there's no telling where this place can go. I'm just trying to be a part of that. Uh, he was actually nice to Jared Goff, which he didn't have to. Quote, it sucks going through that with a teammate. <laughs> Talking about the, how bad they were as a football team. All right, there you go. Um, big story number three. Number three. Arguably, there was a time where big story number three would dominate three hours of the Plank Show. But with Oklahoma's future beyond the Big 12, the news of Gonzaga meeting with the Big 12 kind of flies at least, I don't want to say under our radar, but isn't like big story number one, like it probably would have been two or three years ago. But I would add this, Josh. I kind of felt like the lead was buried in this story. You know what I mean? Because here's this report that comes out that says, and I quote, "If uh, hold on, Gonzaga AD Chris Standiford met with Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark about Gonzaga potentially being part of the Big 12. Right? Big story. What blew my mind, though, was the, oh, yeah, in the middle of the story, which is sources indicate Gonzaga has been exploring conference options. Both the Pac-12 and Big East have been engaged in talks with Gonzaga. How did Question, Josh Helmer. Question. Uh, yes, uh, back of the class, please. How does Big 12 meets with Gonzaga supersede conversation? Why would it be Big 12, Pac-12, Big Eastern conversations with Gonzaga? What's going on here? The Big 12 is being treated like it should have been for years, and all of a sudden it's kind of, oh, yeah, and by the way, Pac-12, Pac-12 and, and Big East are talking to them too. I mean, that would... That would belong right in the headlines, too, wouldn't it? It's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Well, uh, what does that, <laughs> that Pac-12 media rights deal look like going forward? I don't know. I don't know. Is it inked up with ESPN? No. Well, uh, is ESPN inked up with the Big 12? Yes. Well, there yeah. you go. Well, and keep, keep in mind that the Big East has a deal with the, with the ESPN. And, you know, the Pac-12 is negotiating a deal with ESPN. I don't – I got to be honest with you, Josh. I was absolutely positively blown away whenever I saw this report. And I'm, reading, I'm like, wow, this is great. Rolling down its first paragraph discussion of leaving the West Coast Conference. Brett Yormark met with Chris Standiford. There's a quote from a, from a source. And then all of a sudden it says – Oh, yeah, by the way, they've been talking with the Pac-12 and the Big East. <laughs> Have you seen that report anywhere? Gonzaga is in talks with the Big 12. Oh, by the way, they're in talks with everybody else. <laughs> exactly! <laughs> I'm just, okay, well, what's going on here? What? 
good for the Big 12 and getting the headline, but it's kind of like a major piece of that story was buried four paragraphs in. Agreed. I think that's a fair observation by you. Uh, I don't have a good answer for you outside of just ESPN kind of has a vested interest right now already in the Big 12. I mean, that was that was something. I mean, kudos, but I mean, Mark Few played it politically. I was talking to Kyle Porter yesterday when this story broke, but we'll, we'll get to that coming up a little bit later on. It, it looks like the Big 12 and talking about its rebranding and, and, and being more visionary. Yeah, they are looking out west, but it looks like they might be looking out west for basketball right now more than hoop, uh, for hoops more than football. We shall see. All right, big story number two. Number two. Combined no-no in Major League Baseball first in World Series history in Game 4 between the Astros and the Phillies. Real Muto. Bouncing ball to third. The second one in World Series history. John Larson in 1956. Joined by Christian Javier, Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero, and Ryan Presley. A 5 nothing win in Game 4 in no-hit fashion to tie this series at two games apiece. Javier, six innings, nine Ks. Abreu, an inning and three Ks. Montero, an inning and a strikeout. Presley, an inning with a strikeout. 14 strikeouts. I think I tried to make it three pitchers earlier between four pitchers. And uh, Dusty Baker afterwards talked about his decision to pull Javier early. No, it's baseball in 2022. I mean, if I was the first guy to do that this year, as I recall, I think Dave Roberts had to do that with in L.A., you know, with Kershaw. Especially a young player, you think about his health and his career as much as you think about that game. Like I said, you know, we had a real fresh bullpen, extremely fresh bullpen, and uh, one of the best bullpens around. So, you know, I had full faith that, um, you know, that they could do the job. Tonight, big one, big one series knotted at two games apiece. Game five, Phillies need this. Even though they have won a game in Houston, Phillies need this tonight. All right, um... Anything you want to add from last night? We're all even, baby. It, it uh, Obviously, you know, look, it's one game, and you don't get super carried up with it and uh, carried away with it. But keep in mind, on this program yesterday, both you and I said, ah, I think the Phillies got this thing on wraps. It's amazing, isn't it? The one game-to-game effect in a series, the, the complexion that it has, the feel that it has, it's just the one game, and yet – I do come away from last night feeling like I think I'm totally reversed, right? What a hypocrite. I think Houston's going to win this series after last night. 180 in the span of less than 24 hours, which gets us to big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. All right, listen, we're a little bit late on the clock. Our Thursday worries are coming up next. We'll get you into what our concerns are for this weekend showdown with Baylor Plus. A little bit more from Dave Aranda and his injury situation next. Ooh, how about this? Bixby and Jinx, is this right? Bixby and Jinx is on ESPN2? It must be, yeah. Wow, that's kind of a big deal. I I remembered whenever it was just a big deal that, you know, we had TV there. Back in my day, Josh, 
Well, and Big this time. this Bixby program for our Tulsa listeners out there and for our Bixby Spartan listeners out there, they deserve this national stage. Jinx has gotten the national stage in the past, and Union certainly has as well. But for Bixby to have won the amount of games that they've won in a row, man, they deserve nationally for that to get spotlighted. To this day! Agreed. Agreed. Is this where I remind everyone, Lauren, Coach Montgomery, that it was you and me, baby, in Enid, double reverse pass to win the game? I don't think they've lost since. Dude, you know how far back? That's like going back to 2011. My gosh. I'm so old. All right, quick break. Whoa, it's 1140. Where did this show go? I am off the clock, but that shouldn't surprise anyone because you know you know this show. To this day, we're going to be way off the clock. Quick break. We're back with Dave Aranda's injury update next. That I maybe have failed to mention this week in talking about Baylor's win over Texas Tech. Not only did they have the five interceptions, but they sacked Tech quarterbacks six times. So Dave Aranda in his press conference talked about what they saw that led to them having some success on Saturday, not just turning the ball over, but getting after the quarterback. I uh, appreciate that. I think you're welcome. I think one one positive thing leads to another positive thing. I think that's a big part of it, and that might be the biggest part, to be honest. But I think overall, there's there's just a um, um, a uh, a plan and. Um, um, a feeling of that, hey, we're going to be aggressive, and we've been, you know, trying to protect this and protect that, and, you know, um, what else do we have to protect and all this other stuff to where it was, you know, I think to kind of, to, to be aggressive and to um, maybe change up a look or two in the back end and tighten things up, where in the past it's been more of a, a zone presentation and covering guys that are covering guys. Um, and then along with that, right, um, implementing more man pressures and um, simulated pressures and that, I think all of that combined for the, the thought going into the game that we're attacking these people. And I think once you have that thought, that frees you up in just your base rush or at the base third down rush to attack too. So um, obviously – a little bit technical in the weeds there, but they felt real confident in the scheme that they had against Texas Tech. Can the same thing work on Saturday against Oklahoma? I don't, I don't know. But they played. I, I got to be honest with you, Josh. Last weekend, forty-nine to zero was shocking. I think we all agree, right, for OU and Texas, and maybe, you know, knowing that Dylan Gabriel wasn't or when Dylan Gabriel wasn't going to play, maybe we probably should have reset our goals even more. But I would say the three most shocking results this year in the Big 12, two of them happened this weekend. Number one was what TCU did to Oklahoma, right? That was shocking. And maybe even the game before that, the Kansas State game, with how Kansas State was coming off a loss to Tulane. But to me, you've got two games that happened last week that were equally as shocking. Kansas State getting or housing Oklahoma State the way that they did. And I know, I know what Chris Kleiman said. There's no way they could have played much better, and I, I agree. I think that's a, that's a fair point. But, Josh, 
45-17. I mean, again, I you, you can look back on that game and you can give Texas Tech some credit. You know, they made it a 24-17 game heading into the fourth quarter, but then absolutely fell apart in the fourth. I mean, that's that's shocking to me to see how easy they made that look on Saturday against Texas Tech in the fourth quarter. It didn't help whenever Baron Morton is turning the ball over the way that he did. Blake Shapin wasn't necessarily sharp. So, you know, we've seen shocking results. i got to be honest with you. Tech laying an egg in the fourth quarter of that game is still just shocking to me from last Saturday. Yeah, to, to get blown out 21 to nothing in that final frame the way that they oh. did. And all of a sudden, I mean, they got blown out, right? I mean, just smoked. I, you know, really, uh, obviously, uh, you know, it was a one-score game before the fourth quarter. But, uh, I mean, the final tally doesn't make it look that way. And if you want to get in, to a little bit of the comparative scoring game. I mean, explain Texas Tech losing or excuse me, explain Texas Tech routing West Virginia 48 to 10 and then Baylor losing at West Virginia the way that they did. And then Baylor turning around and doing what they did in the fourth quarter to Texas Tech. I mean, it's again, you just you can't explain any of that. It makes zero sense. But that's been the Big 12 this year, man. It's just it's been hard to figure out anything in this league. To this day. Now, I will add. Okay, I'm done with it. I'm sorry. I'll, no, I'm still enjoying it. <laughs> sorry. I, I I started using it. I'm like, let's just use Deontay Wilder. So that gets us right into a quick Thursday worry, which is trying to figure out who's the real Baylor team. Is it is it the team that Blake Shapin gets dinged up and they can't do anything against West Virginia and West Virginia runs all over them? Or is it the team that forces six fumbles and, or, excuse me, forces um, five turnovers, uh, six sacks, six and a half to be exact, six and a half tackle for losses? I mean, which which team is it? Wait, hold on. I keep saying six sacks. Six and a half tackles for losses. Excuse me. I apologize. But still, I, I mean, what's what's the real Baylor team? What's the real Baylor team? Because, you know, 45-17 and outscoring Tech, 21 zip in the fourth quarter that's kind of who many expected heading into the regular season but you know each game Baylor of those back-to-back wins now in which they've scored 80 points in the last two games there are stretches where they allow a team to get back in it and they look more like the team that lost back-to-back games to West Virginia and Oklahoma State so I mean I guess my Thursday worry brought to you by Realtor Chris would be I mean is this now a Baylor team that's finding its stride and Oklahoma's walking into a buzzsaw on Saturday night? That's my worry. Or could the reverse be happening, Josh, and it's an OU team that after Kansas, after a bye, went on the road, beat a team in Iowa State that's kind of similar to Texas Tech. I mean, what? I, I, that's where I'm having a hard time trying to figure things out for Saturday just because I'm so intrigued by what Baylor truly is. Well, I think that's why this is such a fascinating game for all of you ESPN Plus subscribers out there. <laughs> Our radio listeners. <laughs> that's right, yes. For, for all of you listening on the Suda Radio Network, my sincere apologies. Who is, who is Oklahoma, right? Who is Baylor? Yeah. Which team is which? And uh, which team's going to finish up closer to what we sort of suspected both would be? That's the fascinating storyline to this game. Absolutely. 
All right, let's put a wrap on this bad boy, shall we? Steel Man's here. He's ready to go next. In the meantime, final thoughts is a final look at the Air Comfort Solutions text line and Josh's official prediction for the Norman North game tonight. We'll get into it next right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, let me hit. These are really good. These are really good. Tony from Flower Mound off the Air Comfort Solutions text line writes, you know what Baylor's going to do defensively. Watch the Sugar Bowl. Very good point. So the key would be to make sure, Tony, that uh, our Matt Corral, a.k.a. Dylan Gabriel, doesn't go down. You gave me something to do today, too, Tony. I'm going to go back and watch that. Jesse writes, I'm pretty sure Dave Aranda eats noodles with no sauce, baked potatoes plain, sugar-free vanilla ice cream, and drinks unsweetened tea. That's probably fair. He's pretty, <laughs> Text of the day. He's pretty dry. Pretty dry. I will say Wednesday nights. Wednesday? Wednesday nights are my sugar-sweet tea night, Josh. Whenever I'm at uh, First Baptist of Washington, of Washington is uh, we have a, there's a dinner every Wednesday night, and I uh, I get the sweet tea. So needless to say, I'm a little wired and happy after that. Sweet tea's the best. Uh, for the 405, that is one reason I don't watch baseball anymore. Can't let a pitcher go nine innings. Also, too many strikeouts and no small ball. From the 405, I will say, that's the first time anyone's ever texted this show and said, I need more small ball in baseball. I need more bunts. Do you kids not know how to manufacture runs anymore? Thank you. Thank you. Agreed. (laughs) And John writes, my thought is that West Virginia is a very tough and gritty team. If OU plays that way, which they should, OU will have a nice day against Baylor. However, if we play... And protect soft, Baylor will win. I want to see more of what I saw against Iowa State from an approach. I want to see physicality. And Derek actually had one of my favorite texts of the day, which we'll tease for tomorrow's show. Haven't really delved into it, but is there still a chance for OU assuming everything goes right, or is it so you're saying there's a chance type situation? I think it's more of so you're saying there's a chance type situation. But we'll delve into it tomorrow just to keep the spirits up. For Josh, I'm playing Steel Man's next from here at Cavens on the ref.